All right, well, let's pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for the ability to be in your house tonight. God, we thank you that you are here and that your presence is so sweet. God, we ask that you would hover over Charlene tonight as she speaks, that she would have one ear here on earth and one ear in heaven, that she would be a vessel of your love and your truth, that she'd be a vessel of justice and mercy. God, and that you would move with rivers of living water through her spirit into ours tonight. God, we thank you for the joy of the gospel. We thank you for who you are and what your word speaks to us about you and about your plans and purposes for us. So we just ask you, Lord, the living word, would you come and speak to us tonight? Would you convict us and would you lead us and would you purify us? In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Well, Charlene, will you come up and will you speak to us tonight? <laughs> I've said this to my church many a time since this all has begun some time ago. I would say what we began this clear back in March when we began to discuss this, that each time we've ended up in coming into a, a welcoming church, a loving church, that I find myself saying, I never knew my family was so beautiful. I just never knew. I am so grateful to see all of you tonight and to just share some things that I hope will be a blessing to you and maybe as everything that you prayed for, from conviction to revelation to challenge to a loving and building experience and something that maybe, just maybe, if you can hold on to one sentence out of this whole night I, and, and let it grow, I will be so thankful, thankful. When Katie asked me if I would come here, she told me that you were doing the, you were using the word gospel. And so you've been through five sessions, is that correct? And she had just the last two. And I think E&L was still, still open. And she said to me, which one would you like to, to try? And I'm like, I'll take L. I'll take out. I have no idea why I said I'll take out. Did you ever do that where the spirit just says do it, but you don't know why? That's the spirit. You don't always know why he says to do what you're asked to do. But ultimately, what's the exciting part of it all is that when you sit down with him, you learn exactly why he said take out. And I have come to understand that more than anything because the first moment that I sat down with him and I said, okay, Lord, you told me to take Al. The first word that came to my, my very heart, it was like the spirit just dropped it in. And it was one word, life, life, life. So I want to talk a little bit about life tonight, but I also want to talk to you a little bit about evangelism and, and tie it all in. And um, Katie also mentioned to me to talk a little bit about the eternal, eternal perspective. And so I want to kind of open that up to you a little bit as well. So I want to say to you, evangelism starts with for God. If you can remember that, you will walk in evangelism in its fullness for God, and it finishes with his glory. 
before God and finishes with his glory. This word, this verse, it has such meaning to me and I never really thought about it much until I met this beautiful woman named Pam. It's always been tied to my heart. It's ingrained in me. It's like it's my DNA. And whenever I speak it, forgive me, <laughs> I fall into tears sharing it because it has such an impact in my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I carried that in my heart all these years, and when I met Pam, it was my birthday, and she beat, onto, she beat it onto Facebook, and she wrote, this is your birthday verse, John 316. I'm like, yes, it's my birthday verse. It has such a depth and breath inside of me. From the moment of believing we enter into eternal life, it begins here and now. Here and now and forever. You see, so many of us think that when we talk about that, when we believe in him, that eternal life means when you take that last breath. That's not true. Because the Christ in you is eternal. And that eternal begins right here and right now. I absolutely love, love knowing that. That it's not a wait on call, but it's a now call. It's a now call. What drew me to some things was an odd and different kind of situation. So I want to share this with you. For some reason, Facebook has its own way of doing things and and news has its own way of popping up. And suddenly I'm looking at this little, this little um, pop-up on my Facebook and the name Audrey Hepburn popped up. Anybody familiar with Audrey Hepburn? She probably might not touch some of you younger people, but she certainly, we are very, very aware of who she is. She was a very beautiful woman, very beautiful woman. And I don't know if many of you knew her background, but I noticed that it was her son, and they have written a book, a children's book. Anybody familiar with this? They have written a children's book called Little Audrey's Dream. And the son goes on to share that at the end of her days, she began to share her beginnings and that they are very deep and hard places to go to. But they want to talk about them for the sake of their children in a world that's very hard and very difficult to. And so she tells her son at the end of her, her last and final days and of what her early life was like. And she describes it as one who was a survivor of World War II that she ate tulips, 
dog cookies and green pea bread and stayed in bed to preserve her calories. What a beginning for a young woman. What a beginning. She was hungry. She was weak. And she was faced with a world that was in war. And so someone asked him the question, how did your mother keep going during such a horrific time in history? And this was her answer. She dreamed. She dreamed about ballet. She dreamed about what would happen when the war was over. It was her dreams that kept her going. Never stop dreaming. But I want to take you one step further. I want you to, to remember something that matters in such a biblical way. It's not just dreams that sustain you. But I will tell you that there will be suffering in this world. And knowing that she came through this suffering and knowing that dreams was the one thing that she could look ahead at, it is very much a part of our journey as well. This being said, how much more ought we as believers and the carriers of the word of life shout the trumpet sound of Paul? I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be received in us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Comes out of Romans 8, 18. You see, the eternal will have influence in our present and the everlasting As A.W. Tozer states, we must meet the uncertainties of this world with the certainty of the world to come. The substitution of his death for ours and the payment of our penalty for sin provided the life of God, eternal life, for all who receive him through faith. He is God. He explains and reveals the Father to man. He is the source of all life. He is the word of life. I didn't know if you could have music played here tonight, knowing that you might be streaming. And so I decided I really didn't want anyone particular to sing it in the first place because too often we get caught up with the sound of the music or the beat or that I already know this song, so I'm just going to sing it. But we do very little listening in this world. We do not listen enough. We have too many words in this world and not enough time to listen. So I want to, to have you hear a song that is sung by Jeremy Camp called The Word of Life. The words go like this. 
the lyrics of the word of life. Speak, word of life, to my weary heart. Strengthen my broken parts. Lead me to your open arms. Word of truth, illuminate all these lies. The enemy speaks inside. In freedom, I will rise. Because you called me out from the grave so I can live like I've been changed. There's a new song in my soul, and it begins when I breathe in your word of life. Spirit of God, take me to a deeper place. Take me out of what is safe, and I will not be afraid. Spirit of God, feel me with joy again, springing up from within. It cannot be contained, because you called me out from the grave so I can live like I've been changed. There is a new song in my soul, and it begins when I breathe in your word of life. The old has gone away. Only your love remains. I am alive today because you called me out. Oh, you called me out because you called me out from the grave so I can live like I've been changed. There's a new song in my soul, and it begins when I breathe in the word of life. The old has gone away. Only your love remains. I am alive today because you called me out. He is the eternal word, the eternal hope, and the eternal promises. His eternal promises can sound like this. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. I will be with you to the end of the age. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was not made by him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Paul states in Philippians 2.16, hold firmly, hold firmly to the word of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Our life words should have a sound that changes and transforms our very lives and the lives of those 
around us. As we believe we must speak out of the fountain of life that flows from the giver of life, Jesus. You may hear people say, speak life, not death. But what does that really mean? Our words are powerful. The Bible tells us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only wait, but only want what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs puts it this way, the tongue has the power of life and death. The stakes are high. Your words can either speak life of, can speak life, or your words can speak death. Our tongues can build up others, or they can tear down. As unchecked fire doubles in size every minute. I love the story of Thomas Edison. It's a very, very clear picture of words of life and words of death. And I love to give you examples of what that means. Certainly all of you are familiar with Thomas Edison, right? You're sitting under him, right? <laughs> he changed history, didn't he? He invented the light bulb. He invented the light bulb. This is Thomas Edison's true story. Thomas Edison was in first grade. And a very short time after beginning first grade, the principal called Thomas into his office. Now, again, this is a true story. He called him into his office and he said, Thomas, I have a letter for your mother. Please take it home and give it to her. And Thomas does exactly that. He takes the letter home and he gives it to his mother. And he is, of course, nervous and filled with much tension. The mother opens the letter. The tears are running down her face. And he becomes very, very concerned about what that letter must say. His tension was high. His anxiety was building. And he finally cries out, Mom, what does the letter say? And Mrs. Edison says, Thomas, the letter says that you're a genius. The letter says that the school sees you so competent of being so much more than it is able to provide that it is asking that we look for some other alternatives to bring you to your full potential. Thomas is overwhelmed with joy. He can hardly believe that he is being seen as a genius. He can hardly believe that someone would see that much about his character and all that he can be. 
that ignites a fire inside of Thomas. And from that day on, Thomas fulfilled those words of life. He became a great inventor. A few years shortly after her seeing her son succeed and become someone who changed the world, changed history, she passed away. Thomas decided to go home for some closure. And while he was home, he discovered his mother's Bible. And to his amazement, the letter was in the Bible. I always say, if you want to find some really important things that have great meaning, always look for the Bible. I had lost my parents within two months of each other. My mother and father passed away. And I can tell you that those Bibles that were left behind are a legacy of history, their life's journey spiritually, and their precious gifts that they couldn't wait to tuck away inside that Bible. So Thomas pulls that letter out with great excitement, knowing that it was the school who saw who he was meant to be, his purpose, his destiny. And he hurries and he pulls the letter out. But to his shock, the letter actually said this. Mrs. Edison, your son is mentally ill. We cannot teach him. We are expelling him. Words of life and words of death competing for this young man. I wonder if we would have ever heard of Thomas Edison if his mother had spoken those words of death. I doubt it. Because I work in a behavioral health unit and I can honestly tell you words have much power. And it amazes me that when I encounter many, many people in my life's journey, that someone's words have taken their very lives from them and have gotten them stuck for years and years. When I hear of a, a man who is sitting in front of me, when I hear his statement of why he's so broken and why he's so lost and why he cannot get out of his being stuck, occurred when he was 12 years old and now he's 65 years old. And he tells me that these words, son, you'll never amount to anything you're a failure and you will always be a failure. And this 65-year-old man is stuck at the age of 12, believing a lie. Some time ago, I had overcome an, an obstacle that 
was really a divine intervention. And God certainly gave me wisdom and understanding to something that I think I took for granted. And I'm hoping this story will, true story, will help you to think more about what you give your breath to. I'm kind of an odd kind of pastor and chaplain. I'm crazy about sports cars. I absolutely love being in a sports car. Partly because my father loved to race and I grew up with that. And that's my little gift from my dad. We were able to finally find that one car I was finally looking for. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Lord's going to bless me with this sports car. It is so cool. But we had to take off to Madison, Ohio to get it. So we took down that road towards that little town called Madison. It was so calming and so beautiful. And we get there and there's my car and I'm excited that it's everything I dreamed that it could be. And on the way back, I said to my husband, you drive the new car. I'll drive the one I'm used to because I don't know where everything is. Just GPS us and get us home. Somehow the GPS didn't take us back the way we came. We ended up on a four-lane highway. We were doing 75 mile an hour in a 45 mile speed zone, and it was a work zone. And my tension was rising. And oddly, in our crazy world, we can do this. We can call the person in front of us <laughs> in their car and say, I am really nervous about this. You have got to get us off this road. Well, even my husband that never gets nervous about anything says, you're right. We got to get off this road. So I said, take the next ramp, please. And I'll follow. Well, I didn't know that the next ramp was going to come up so quickly. He took the ramp. I forgot or I panicked. I can't honestly tell you what happened. But within moments, I heard squealing tires. I had forgotten I was on a four-lane highway. And I crossed over in front of an oncoming car, trying to get to the ramp. And the squeal was so loud that it literally pierced my head. And the pain was excruciating. And I looked down. And there was a car three inches away from my door. And I knew that I was going to die. Or at least I thought I would. The circumstances certainly was calling for it. And I remember saying to God, I'm coming home today. And that is a really, really good thing. But on the other side of that, God, I made a promise to my son that I would marry him on Saturday, and this was Thursday. And I said to the Lord, God, I am going to leave my, my family in so much pain. Rather than it being a celebration, it's going to be a day of sorrow and loss and pain. Because I messed up. And then everything got quiet. And I couldn't hear the sounds anymore. And I don't know how long I was there. But when 
reality grabbed hold of me, I was sitting safely behind my husband's car. I still can't tell you how I got there. I just know that God somehow took and pulled me into Kairos time and held me there long enough to save the lives of the one I may have taken who was coming at my door and my own. I looked around, I still couldn't hear anything for a few more moments, and then the sounds came back. And I looked up at my husband and I said, I, I don't belong here. I know my life was to end this day. But God had a different plan. But I want to tell you that the first thing that I felt when I realized that God purposed me to continue my assignment, that the first thing I felt was my breath. Your breath is a gift. Today is a present not just the idea of being in the present, but is a present. Your breath counts. It matters. What will you give it to? I never realized that we have a choice of what we're going to give our breath to. Will we give it to life? Or will we give it to death? Will you spend 50 years of your life giving it to a sentence, a death sentence? You will never be worth anything. You will always be a failure. Or the words that I heard when I was a little girl, I never wanted you. I never wanted a little girl. What will you give your breath to? Your breath is costly. It's costly. Will you give your breath to life or death? I'm encouraging you to let God have it. To let God have every breath you take and let it speak with such life because Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So he lives within you and life is to be the words that you speak. Your actions are to produce life. Produce it. Speak out his words. And when you speak out his words, you will know that you are speaking words that are spirit and life. Jesus said that his words comes directly from God. He said it again and again that his words are spirit and life, that his words are eternal. 
For I have not spoken in my own, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment about what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandments is eternal life. What I speak, therefore, I speak just as the Father has told me. This comes out of John 12, 49 through 50. It is the Spirit that gives life. Know that the flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you, Jesus said, are spirit and life. This comes from John 6, 53. I encourage you. Use your breath well. Speak life, not death. You know, the funny thing of that whole story is, is that sometimes you can often try to talk yourself out of your miracle. But God wouldn't let that happen for me. When I returned, I ended up in a church with a pastor I had never met. And when I arrived in the church... This pastor came down to me and he said, I have seen what God has done for you. You are to live. Now live it well. There is nothing more amazing than when the Spirit chooses you. Listen. Let him. Have you? Let him breathe into you. Let your words breathe life into you. Paul knew we were going to battle this situation. Paul knew that we would have struggles in our mind, that we would allow things that would be whispered into us by others and even the enemy himself would come to try to oppress us. And Paul made sure that he gave us a way out when he wrote Philippians 4.8. When he said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. If you're going to speak life, speak it into you so that it will come forth from you. Dwell in his presence. Let the intimacy of his beauty and wonder speak life into you. My breath is his now. And each time I breathe it, 
I think, what will give life? What can I say? What can I do? Where can I go? That where there is death, I can speak life. I hope that that becomes a part of your journey. Whether you're 80 or whether you're 12 or 18, never waste your breath. Never get stuck on words. But stay focused on Christ. Christ in you. Live like you've been changed. Transformed. Made new. You are a new creation. You are not defined by someone else's words. You are defined by him. You are beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully made. You are a treasure. You are extraordinary, not ordinary. You are uniquely you. Life words your true identity. You are not defined by your life circumstances. If that were so, I could not be sitting here. Because my life circumstances, after hearing the words from a little girl who was three years old till I was about eight, told me I was a mistake and that I was unlovable. You see, the enemy has a way of coming in and trying to distort the truth and comes to, anybody want to shout it out? To kill, steal, and destroy. And he had set his eye on me since I've been a child. And I know I'm not the only one. I've heard many stories because he's not choosy who he tries to take out. But I want you to know what changes your life more than anything is an encounter, an encounter with God. And I remember the day that I sat quietly and finally grew so weary and so tired of the pain and the loneliness that I remembered saying to the Lord, you got to take me back. I'm pretty sure I'm a mistake. I'm pretty sure I'm never going to be loved. You have to take me back. Oh, but that God, that awesome, awesome God of ours, is always present, always there always ready and always on time. And I remember saying these words and suddenly the one thing I'd never known in my life was the, the word love. I could tell you what it wasn't. But I couldn't tell you what it was. 
until that encounter, until I heard him speak my name. I don't know if any of you have had God call you by name, but there is no one who can speak it quite like God. In fact, no one will ever speak it. Only he has the bountiful love that is so full and so pure that I've never heard anyone call my name like he does. And the one thing I needed to hear in my heart was this, and I can honestly tell you that working with a lot of pain and a lot of, sor a lot of sorrow in people's lives, the one thing I have learned along my journey is that we are wired to be wanted. We are wired to be wanted. And when that doesn't come into our lives, it's devastating for us. It feels like you are dying while living. And the one thing that I needed to hear from him most was the one thing he spoke. Charlene, you are whom I have always wanted. And there will be suffering in your world. But know that I will walk it with you and I will carry you through and you will complete the journey I have assigned to you. I didn't fully understand that at the age of eight, but those words were burned into my soul. What I did understand was the word wanted more than ever. If there's anyone in this room who's been rejected along your life's journey, I can promise you, he will heal. He will. I often find that people spend a lot of time talking about self, wanting to know their self-identity. Yet God speaks just the opposite. He speaks about dying to self. I think our world has gotten really stuck because there are so many broken people, that there are so many self-help um, opportunities out there that people spend years upon years trying to identify what those issues are and how to get through them. I agree that there is a need for healing, and I agree that there is a need to be able to name them. I believe that you do need to name what those issues are in your life. But I also believe that the great I am calls you into something more than just self-identity. He calls you into his inheritance. And when you know what your inheritance is, you will know who you are. And nothing of the pain and the sorrow along your life's journey will ever have a hold, a stronghold on you. You are a royal priesthood.
You are a child of the king. You are not an orphan. You are adopted. You need to know your inheritance. You need to claim back your ground, your territory. Get into those places where the enemy jumped into your territory and began to have imprints of his say and get it cleaned off by the blood of the lamb. He'll wash that territory and give it your rightful inheritance. Don't hang out in your brokenness. Hang out in your wholeness. God can give it a new name. I am Charlene, who is wanted, loved, child of the king, beautiful, a treasure, a gift. And I promise you that when you take on that truth, you will no longer make your decisions out of your woundedness. You will not continue to carry on the cycle into your adulthood. You will carry out God's truth. And your decisions will look very different. They will produce life. Life. I want to say to you, in evangelism, it is very, very important that you know who you are. It is very, very important that you know who you are. What are you carrying? And what are you holding on to? I also want to say that in order for you to do the kind of work that Evangelum desires to bring forth that gift of life, you need to know who your God is. You need to know and settle this question right here and right now in your life's journey. Either God is good or he's not. If you want to carry out the truth of God, you have got to settle this. Either God is good or he's not. And I love the scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have not tasted him, if you do not see God and you do not know that he is good and you settle that, you will have a battle on your hands for the rest of your life's journey because you will come into circumstances and situations that if you determine that God is good based on circumstances, you will be on a roller coaster of confusion and chaos 
and lostness because one minute you'll be saying, oh God, it's good. He is so good. He's good all the time. And then life suddenly hits you with a deep loss, a heart that's broken. Will you still say then, God is good all the time? I pray every one of you will be a Job. I pray that every one of you will experience the hardships that, that bring you to that perseverance, that brings you to that character and your hope. I pray that out of those experiences, you will speak the final words that Job spoke. Before I thought I knew you, but now I see you with my own eyes. You see, God is either good or he's not. There's no in-between with God. And if you want to carry God, you better settle it. What are you carrying? If you are carrying simply his word, God will use it for good, I promise you. But if you want to see change, if you want to see someone convicted, if you want to see someone who sees God and that they see you mirroring him, then you need to have an encounter with him. His word is powerful. But if you don't carry the anointing, if you do not carry that intimacy and that presence into that conversation, it will have very little power to change a life. Because what people are looking for in the here and now is what is genuine and what is truly authentic. When you speak, you must speak from the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will invade into your life, his character. And we will mirror Christ in all that we say and do. My heart if ever there would be a simple calling over my life, it would be spoken in so few words. It would be this. My God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And all you need to do is take that real that you have come to know to be your truth and others will be so drawn to it that they will say, I need that. I need what you have. You're not going to have to beg them. They're going to want it because they choose life when they taste it, when they taste it.
Examine your heart. Think about what you think. What are you carrying? What does your God look like? Sound like? And can you impart it from your heart? with your thoughts because you've been changed. Live. Live like you've been changed. I want to add one more thing to you. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Are you there? Are you selfless? Testimony. Your story. It's powerful. It's mighty. It opens doors. It grants hope. Your testimony. I encourage you not to make some mistakes that I have seen many make along the way. And that is when you give your testimony, do not spend so much of your testimony telling them about how terrible your life is, how terrible it was when you had to journey through this and this and this and this. A testimony is really a testimony that glorifies God. A testimony is one who will come in and say, this is what I experienced, but this is who I love and who I honor. This is the glory of God. This is the power of God. I have listened to testimonies of people who get into so much detail about how hard their lives were that it actually caused trauma in the lives of others rather than bring them closer to God and welcome him in, they became more ill because you have not dealt with your past. You have carried it into your testimony without the victory. If you're going to share a testimony, be sure on this side that you go from the broken to the made new in Christ Jesus. Made new. Bring glory to his name. Bring glory to his name. Evangelism. It belongs to everyone in this room. It's a title and a calling that everyone has in this room. And he says this, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, changes. 
and brings forth a hope and a promise into others. I encourage you to sit down and write out your testimony. Because when you write it out, one, you get healed. Two, you see where you're stuck. And three, you get to see God and how he's moved in your life. And if your story is this big on the page of your testimony and God gets this little piece, I encourage you to go back and rewrite your testimony. Because he is the story. He is the story. I love the song that is written by Big Daddy Weave called My Story. And this is probably the best plumb line that you could probably use for when you're writing your testimony. Has anyone in here written out your testimony? I have, I have spoken to... Um, um, to the people that I am entrusted with many a times and said this, please write out your testimony. Be ready in season and out of season. And I have shared this exact same thing with them. And the best way that you can kind of get a plumb line for how your testimony should sound is very similar to this song. The name of the song is My Story by Big Daddy Weave. If I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. And if I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life because it wasn't mine. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin, of when justice was served and where mercy wins, of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. If I told you my story, you would hear victory over the enemy. And if I told you my story, you would hear freedom that was won for me. And if I told you my story, you would hear life overcame the grave. Oh, if I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin. Of when justice was served and where mercy wins of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. This is my story, and this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. For the grace that is greater than all my sin of when justice was served and where mercy wins, of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in, oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. 
of the grace that is greater and when justice was served of the kindness of Jesus. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. I pray as you begin to write out your testimony, I pray that the story that you tell will speak of him. I pray that you will tell of how he wins. <laughs> I pray that you, as you tell your story, will fall in love with him all over again. I thank the Lord for changing my story from dead to life, from hopeless to hope, from lostness to found, from selfish, from selfish to selfless, from lonely to fulfilled. This is my story, and this is my song. I love him, and I praise him all the day long. Testimonies are to give life, not trauma. Testimonies are an opportunity to raise up the dead. I have seen that in so many that have heard and have encountered Jesus through you. I wanted you to hear a testimony tonight that has truly blessed me. And I'm asking if you would be so kind to allow this to happen this evening. She's probably one of the quietest people in my church. <laughs> Um, she was given a word some time ago that she was going to be a voice that roars. And I would love to be able to let her roar with you tonight. Her name is Alyssa. Alyssa, would you share your testimony? Um, you need to get it. Is it on? Is it, hello, it's working? Okay. All right. Well, I grew up um, broken from a difficult life. I had a lot of depression and fear and anxiety and stuff. Um, my mom 
had us when she was young and she went to a lot of parties was not home a lot or there was stuff going on at our house so i used drugs at different types of drugs at different times in my life for years i was stuck in the same cycle of doing not good to going back to jesus um i used the drugs to make because i'm shy to comfort me and to function with everyday life and they took fear away um I hung out with a lot of different people more than being at home with my family like I should have been. Um, we didn't really care about each other. You get sick and everything gets worse, like the depression and anxiety is just worse. Um, I have a lot of responsibility. I have three daughters, so that's stressful on me. My mom taught us about Jesus when we were little. She became a Christian, so I always believed. It just wasn't a stable relationship. But since I've been going to Trinity Chapel, I've been learning, growing more. Charlene shows you what kind of relationship you can have for Jesus and to take it serious. I'll always appreciate what she taught me and demonstrated. I've learned not to be so selfish to get the idols out of my life, to make God the most important person in my life, the center of it. I've experienced his love and healing, and it makes you want to change. I still have a long way to go, but it feels different this time, like it's going to last. It's ending. Is always to speak life. This time, it's going to last. I praise the Lord for each and every person who encounters him and experiences that truth. What she actually shared with you is who we are. We are overcomers. We are overcomers. There is nothing more beautiful than to know that Jesus can take something so broken and take all those pieces that you see scattered all over the place and say to yourself, how is he ever going to put me back together? And I want to say to you, you are not a Humpty Dumpty story. We all know that Humpty Dumpty could not be put back together again, right? That's not true. Not when you're walking with Christ. Because he gathers up all those pieces. And he puts them back together better. Better. He is the one who sustains. He's the one that is the cement that holds us together. He is our strength and our hope. He is the beauty in our brokenness. I love the story. 
that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony because he has made us overcomers. I encourage all of you to let that be your new name. I don't know what you've walked around with. For many, I've seen the name failure on your forehead. For others, I've seen the name broken on your forehead. For others, I've seen shame. I've seen others carry guilt. If you're carrying any of these names, it's not yours. Let it go. Let it go and let God have it. And take on your new name. You are an overcomer. Let us pray. Father, I am so grateful. Sometimes I can hardly pray because the words, I don't think they're here on earth <laughs> of the things that I want to say to you. I'm so grateful that you give us the spirit to speak for us. I'm so grateful that you can raise us from the dead, that you can lift us up and raise us up. Lord, if there's anyone still laying in the grave, raise them up. Raise them up, Lord Jesus. If there are any others who are walking around with their past like little caskets, walking behind them, always reminding them of what went wrong, then sever, sever the chains that are upon these precious lives and these caskets that they carry around reminding themselves of their fleshly life they will take on a new beginning. Break the chains, for you are a chain breaker. Lord, let our hearts seek after you. Let our thoughts be on you. Let us be a people of joy. Let us walk and not faint. Let us run and not grow weary. Let us walk out the promises that we will have eagle's wings and that we will be strengthened as we wait upon you. Let us reveal you wherever we go, Lord, mirroring you in our lives. I 
I know you gave us the word freedom in ours. And let us carry freedom to others. Lord, you are beautiful. You gave your all. And I cry out that we too will give our all. Let us see you with our own eyes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are dismissed. Have a good night and be safe. <laughs>